Today's episode was sponsored by Phoby.com, helping people of all ages to unlock their creative potential. To find out more about Phoby's events and what they can do for you, visit Phoby.com. That's F-O-B-I.com. Phoby, full of bright ideas. One quick message before I start the show. You can find all the links and resources for this episode by visiting the show notes on rickyrichards.com. I also want to thank you ahead of time for listening to the podcast. It's a pleasure to produce and I'd love to share my passion for podcasting with more people. So if you enjoy this show, please help me spread the word either by subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher or sharing this episode. Let's get into the show. Welcome to Ricky Richards Represents, the show where I talk tips of success with leading figures of creativity and innovation. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I'm going to be answering the question, what is advertising? There's a general consensus that advertising is the ruiner of all things good, concocted by Satan's little helpers, as Bill Hicks would say. But to state the counter-argument, everybody hates advertising until they want to sell their car or washing machine. And arguably more importantly than that, is we wish to sell ourselves to potential lovers, business leads, or to people we admire. What makes anyone a worthy addition to anybody else's life in this exceedingly crowded world? That is the question, right? Because so often it's who you know, not what you know. Selling, therefore, is a fact of life. Much of it manipulative and misleading, but the vast majority relatively innocent, but nevertheless integral to the development of our lives. As the film Collateral Beauty points out, almost all selling comes down to love, time and death. The desire to be loved, the wanting of more time and the fear of death. All intrinsically human, but how do ads actually address these fears? After working and studying advertising for many years, I believe I have a better grasp of what sits behind the Iron Curtain than 99% of people, and I feel I have a pretty attuned sense for what advertisers are trying to convey through their ads. While the ideas change, the desire of most communication is fairly repetitive. Behind complex industry terms like lifetime value, cost per acquisition and retargeting, there's a simple set of goals a kind of basic hierarchy that brands and advertisers look to progress through in order to make them a regular occurrence in our lives, and ideally, our bank statements. As you may or may not know already, I recently launched a creative resource called Creative Catalogue, what I'm coining as the ultimate resource for creative professionals. In the podcast today, I'm going to use this resource to peel back the layers and show you examples of some of the entry-level strategies advertisers are using to manipulate you into buying their products. I'm going to be sharing audio bites from a number of well-known ads. If you'd like to dig deeper and watch the full examples, then I recommend going over to rickyrichards.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find all the show notes for this episode, including video links and more. That's enough ramble from me, however. So first, let me share with you what I believe are the five basic goals of advertising. The first goal is to create awareness and recall. Secondly, to inform customers. Third, to build trust. Number four is to establish a lifestyle, and number five is to become integral. These are what I refer to as the five steps to significance. Many brands possess some of these, but very few have all. To date, there's roughly 100 tried and tested methods to achieve these key goals, with many more being created as technology and creativity evolves. But today, I'm going to share with you just two examples from each strategy. 
starting with awareness and recall. Goal number one, awareness and recall. Awareness is how many people know a brand exists, and recall is how likely people are to remember a brand for its respective purpose. Awareness and recall are integral to brand growth, because if people don't know your brand exists, then they're unlikely to buy or consume what you have to sell. The problem from a small business perspective is that awareness and recall can be extremely difficult to achieve, because in order to achieve it, brands typically need to spend huge amounts of money. And where does that money come from if you haven't got awareness and recall to sell product? This is the battle almost all brands face, and here are a few strategies that brands use to overcome it. Strategy 1. Copy Repetition Copy repetition is used to great effect in raising awareness and retention of key statements that an advertiser wishes to highlight. The repetition will very often be auditory and be accompanied by some form of beat that will stick in the mind of consumers. Copy repetition is also useful if you wish to draw attention to a name of a product or benefit that is hard to remember. By making these terms the focus of the advertisement and repeating it, it increases memorability. On occasions, advertisers will look to utilise the illusionary truth effect, where repeated exposure to a particular claim will be interpreted as accurate over time. By posing their product benefits in a compelling way with a clear call to action, brands are able to ingrain themselves in the minds of potential customers, making them more likely to be searched for or spoken about, and ultimately, purchased. A little warning, some of these examples are annoying as can be. They're brief, so stay with me, and I'll get the most annoying one out of the way first. Example number one is Go Compare. Car insurance, eh? Thanks. What can you do? Go compare, go compare. Go be sure when you insure first, go compare. Where your choices are many, you could save a pretty penny when you go online to go compare. Go compare. Now, I think, uh, I think that's enough of that example. So uh, example number two is an oldie but a goodie. It's called The Clapper. Let you turn things on or off from anywhere in the room. Just plug in the clapper and a television, lamp, stereo, almost anything you want to clap on and off. So that's strategy number one done. But what's another example of how to raise awareness and retention? Well, strategy number two is catchphrase. The best advertising slogans often act as a mini mission statement and highlight why a brand exists in a simple and memorable way. Good slogans convey value to potential customers. Ideally, they're short in length, but have depth in meaning. They should differentiate the brand from competitors and emphasise positive feelings associated with the brand. When executed well, slogans become part of the everyday lexicon, which aids in awareness and recall. Example one of catchphrase is Rimmel London. Full lashes revealed. Wonderful. New wonderful mascara with argan oil from Rimmel London. Get the London look. And secondly, a catchphrase that many men, and probably even women, will still recognise to this day. It's by Gillette. Where the race is wrong, you're the champion, Gillette. The Gillette Atro Plus system with the Lubra Smooth Strip for the best a man can get. As you can see, some of the strategies employed to increase memorability are relatively rudimentary but yet they work. Repeating the name of your company or creating a great slogan is just the first of many strategies that you can use to help people get to know about your product or service. Next up and second on the list, informing customers. 
Once people know about a brand, you need to inform them about what it is you do. Without this, it's unlikely that people are going to know to use your product or service. More than just letting them know what to do, however, it helps to point out what makes you unique from other providers. After all, it's relatively unlikely that you're going to have a monopoly. So what makes your service so special? Let me showcase once again some of the basic strategies that advertisers use to convey information. Strategy 3. Comparison Comparison ads are a great way to grab attention by making direct comparisons to other relevant offers and highlighting how the product or service is significantly better from competing brands. Comparison ads remove the hassle for people to compare for themselves and hence it gets consumers closer to a purchasing decision. When the market is crowded and differentiation is difficult, comparing your product to others is the quickest way to highlight the benefits of your product over another. The strategy works particularly well for underdog brands who can compare themselves to market leaders and therefore put themselves into the same brain space when consumers are making their purchasing decisions. Let's start with arguably the most famous use case of this strategy, Apple versus Mac. Hello, I'm a Mac. And I'm a PC. What are you reading? Just the Wall Street Journal. Oh, no, no, no. A PC? You know what? Oh, it's a review of you. Don't read it. Oh, it's from Walt Mossberg, one of the most respected technology experts on the planet. Apparently, you're the finest desktop PC on the market at any price. Very nice. Just one man's opinion. I actually got a great review this morning, too. Oh, And they said I was awesome. Good for you. And so we're the same. Yeah, what what was that in? The um, awesome, awesome computer review weekly journal. I mentioned in the description about challenging market leaders. I didn't know that Domino's made a competitor to Subway, but now I do. Domino's oven baked sandwiches beat the taste of Subway's two to one. Then Subway's lawyers sent us this letter demanding we pull our commercials off the air. I was going to burn the letter, but everything's better when it's oven baked. Let's roll the commercial. Domino's oven baked sandwiches beat the taste of Subway's two to one. How much is two to one? This jump represents the number of people who prefer Subway. Now Domino's. That's two to one. Domino's oven baked sandwiches beat Subway's in a national taste test two to one. Yep, Domino's. That's enough tip for tap but let's think of another way of achieving the same result. Strategy four is product demonstration. Product demonstrations are often used if the product you're trying to sell has a genuine differentiating factor. The trick with great product demonstration, however, is to showcase the product benefit in a novel way. It's typical that advertisers will look to take the product out of its typical context and show an extreme use case, therefore reinforcing how the basic needs of the product are met easily. Oftentimes, product demonstrations will identify a problem you never knew you had before, which sets the scene for the ad to then provide a solution. This creates a new desire among consumers, who didn't necessarily know that they were missing out on said feature prior to watching the commercial. So the example one I have is a really, really old ad from Penn Tennis Balls. We'll drop three Penn Tennis Balls from the top of a 40-storey building. You can see that even from 40 stories, each pen tennis ball bounces to the same height every time. Now we try the same test with our competitor. (laughs) Pen tennis balls. You've seen one, you've seen them all. Secondly, how do you sell a mundane product? Well, you go extreme, as this example for Fiberfix will show you. Strong as steel. Here's the thing. You're manly. Your shovels break. Your pipes leak, your muffler falls off, because a manly man will not be muffled. So you need a manly solution for those manly problems. Duct tape is temporary. 
and only gets you so far. It keeps the pieces together without actually making things work again, like my birth did with my parents' marriage. The hardware store may have new shovels and fresh pipes, but a manly man doesn't want to spend his Saturday at a store. Unless store is a code word for a big screen TV that feeds you nachos while you fart. You could call a handyman or a plumber, but they charge you for a consultation, plus the price of any new parts, plus labor, plus your dignity, and your wife, depending on how sexy your plumber is. Well, now there's a manly solution for your manly problems. Fiber fix. Next up on the list of goals is building trust. When we trust someone, we're more likely to believe in that individual. And there's no difference with advertisers. By establishing a rapport and remaining consistent, brands build enough trust with consumers that they'll invest in their product or service. How do they do it? Well, here are some of the strategies. Strategy five, influencers. Every individual that has a large following tends to have a particular way of being that people can identify or resonate with. Consumers trust these people, so brands will often use these ingrained beliefs as leverage to build trust and attach the same values of the individual to their product or service. This works in two respects. It instantly gives any given product the credentials associated to said individual, and it also works to boost their promotion as they leverage the audience of said influencer. Influencer advertising can work its best when the brand embraces the style of that individual, as opposed to trying to work against it. Let's see some of the best use cases, starting with a classic spot that Nike did with Casey Neistat for the release of their Nike Fuel Band. Definitely make this flight, but we're cutting it close. So far, the trip is off to a fairly irresponsible start. And so it begins. We got to Paris, 17 degrees outside. The airport. That was Nike's attempt, but how did Adidas handle this? You, you'll never be me. Never! You'll never play like me. You won't wear this shirt or dance like me. You'll never be me. You! I don't want to be you. I don't want to be anything like you. I don't want to play like you or dance like that. I don't want to wear your name on my back or see your numbers on my phone. Your flock of Insta finger likers, keep them. I'll get my own. I don't want your face or your fame. And I don't want to hear your name when I play my game. Don't want your signature or your signature moves. Don't want your glory, don't want your height, don't want your back page type. Your player reel ain't real to me. Your promo deal ain't really me. You will never be my commentary. Let me be clear. I don't want to be you. I just want your boots. The next strategy for ways to build trust is strategy number six, the hero's journey. The hero's journey shows viewers where an individual brand came from. It shows that the underdog beat the odds through hard work to become successful. It's rags to riches told from the perspective of a brand. These stories often resonate with people because we too have faced struggles, and we put ourselves in the shoes of the characters, which results in the feeling that the brand is deserving of respect, having overcome numerous challenges that we ourselves have yet to overcome. This makes the narrative interesting, 
as we seek to uncover information that we can apply in our own lives, which ultimately leaves consumers with a positive belief about the brand, making them more susceptible to purchase it as a result. The first example comes from the king of marketing himself, Sir Richard Branson and Virgin. Long before Richard Branson created airlines and spaceships, he envisioned Virgin Mobile. make ordinary experiences extraordinary and get people what they want as fast as possible. The second example is one I'm sure you'll know far less about, Stella Artois. Sebastian Artois, brewmaster, risk taker. Wake up, Sebastian! I sold everything I had to own a brewery. If a brand is capable of achieving these three goals of awareness, information and trust, then there's a good chance that it will be a well-known and profitable brand. But the next two steps are what can turn a brand from well-known among a small amount of people to a globally recognised name that has a well-curated following of superfans. Goal number four, create a lifestyle. The first of these final steps is to create a lifestyle. Creating a lifestyle is in effect identifying that your product isn't for everybody, which is okay because there's a lot of people in the world so not appealing to everyone is still enough to make you very wealthy if you can capture all or oftentimes just a fragment of that market. This is important because you want to build superfans that propagate your message for you. And you can only do that if people feel that the brand's values align with those of your own. Even products that do appeal to everyone almost always started out appealing to a core demographic, as we'll find out in the final stage. But for now, let me show you a few entry-level strategies brands use to establish a lifestyle in their brand. Strategy 7. Celebrity Endorsement Celebrity endorsement refers to individuals with high levels of notoriety and public awareness, endorsing a product. Figures such as actors, politicians, business people, performers and sports people are just a few examples of the types of individuals that are typically used in celebrity endorsement. The celebrity should ideally align with the brand and be a plausible consumer of the product they're endorsing, though it has been known to do the opposite for dramatic effect. Including celebrities has a number of upsides. It can help potential customers get over the feeling of social risk, aid in repositioning a brand around a particular lifestyle, it adds instant credibility and brand value, attracts new users, builds awareness and can revitalise a brand image. Ads seen to have a familiar face also stand a better chance of capturing attention in a saturated market and establishing recall. So the first example is by Volvo. This is not my home. I come from a different place. My mother is from Croatia. And my father comes from Bosnia. And I grew up in this tiny suburb in Sweden. Secondly, what better way to promote a sugary drink than by attaching it to a sports star? Example two is by Gatorade. You saying you're gonna be late? No worries, Mama. Hey, wait! You forgot 
Another way of establishing a lifestyle around your brand is to capture the feeling. Strategy eight, the feeling. Feeling advertisements call attention to the way a product is going to make you feel as a result of owning it. Feeling ads play on the insecurities of people by highlighting that they lack the exciting and fulfilling feeling that possessing the product can bring to their life. When consumers feel good, they're more likely to convey positive emotions about the product to others. By imbuing the product in imagery that conveys a positive feeling, the consumer is more likely to unconsciously manifest those beliefs, regardless of whether the product actually delivers them or not. Feeling ads often look to push feeling to the extremities, so to accentuate how different slash better life would be thanks to the product. Example one is a well-known ad by Southern Comfort. I've never been a really big fan of this ad because I don't believe in promoting alcohol with a happy message considering how many people it uh, affects every year. But that's probably one of the best examples of how feeling is associated to product. The second example is something a little bit more realistic and it's by Honda. Some say the most powerful thing you can build is a feeling. The final goal of advertising is to become integral. Goal number five, become integral. We've come a long way since trying to work out how to get people to know about a brand. Not only do we know who they are, we know what they sell, we trust them, and we know the lifestyle we're buying into. So we come to our final goal to become integral, a legacy, a symbol of the people. The best brands in the world, like Nike, for example, sell you a way of living your life. They're the brand for the street-savvy elite athletes who have a style and confidence. They're the people that just do it without asking questions. Likewise, Apple are a digital innovation company. They believe in design, quality, and making things great from the inside out. They appeal to the creatives, the misfits, the rebels. And even if that isn't you, Who would deny that you don't deep down want that to be you, which is why they're so successful? For this, I'm going to share with you just one strategy. Strategy nine, brand values. Brand value ads look to draw attention to the values that any given brand possesses, which it believes will resonate with that of their target audience. Brand value ads show consumers what the brand believes in. It doesn't try and appeal to everyone, but instead it subconsciously implies to consumers that if you agree with these values, then maybe our brand is the right fit for you. By conveying their value, brands instill themselves in a consumer's mind so powerfully that strong advocates can't imagine buying anything else and will even pay premiums to display the brand. This works particularly well if the product or company as a whole genuinely reflect the values they're looking to convey. When this happens, roles are reversed and consumers will pay the company in order to advertise their brand. 
so that others can see that they possess the values of that brand. There are countless examples of this, but here are a few snippets. Example one is a spot by Wyden and Kennedy for Finlandia. Second on the list, probably one of the most iconic ads of all time by Apple. Here's to the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. While some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. And that is it. To answer my own question, I believe that this is what advertising is. A carefully curated set of strategies used to aid brands in progressing through the five steps to significance. And I'll repeat those so that you can write them down if you so wish. Goal number one is to create awareness and recall. Number two, to inform customers. Goal number three, to build trust. Number four, to establish a lifestyle. And finally, to become integral. As I've already pointed out, the best brands in the world make themselves integral. If you want to be a badass biker, then you best have a Harley, a punk, some Doc Martens, a designer. Well, a brawn wristwatch would be nice. Powerful executive. You've got enough money and disposable income to spend £1,000 on a Mont Blanc pen, right? Even you, the hipsters of Shoreditch, thinking you're original because you wear washed denim jeans, puffy jackets and limited edition shoes. Sorry to break it to you, but you too have been sold a way of life. Consumerism works on the basis that almost all people are desperate for other people to believe that they are the pictures that they carry around of themselves in their head. Because if you have a vision of who you want to be, then there's no better way to convey it than to align yourself with the products that showcase those aspirations for you. And that's how brands win. Even I, the person preaching the so-called secret, am not immune to this. I could do everything to avoid being receptive, purchasing products blindly or buying on practicality alone but even that has its own associations. The truth is, I consciously do what many unconsciously do, to convey value that I think align with my aspirations and the people I'd enjoy spending my time with, which at the end of the day is the task that all brands have, to connect people who share common beliefs and lifestyle aspirations with products and services that will hopefully help them live a better and more meaningful life. That's all from me today. A lot of work went into the creation of this episode, so if you enjoyed it, Please, please do the right thing and share it with your friends. It would mean the world to me. And uh, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher if you don't already. Also, if you found the content of this episode particularly interesting, then do consider signing up to creativecatalog.co.uk. That's the resource that I put together, which includes all the insights I've unveiled today, plus many, many more. Along with resources like lists of all the best recruitment companies, links to prevalent ad journalists active today, as well as an extensive agency list if you're trying to find the right company for you. And uh, least I forget, a direct line to me so that you can pick my brains and make requests of resources that you'd like me to create for the benefit of you. So to repeat that one more time, it's Creative Catalog, which is C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E-C-A-T-A-L-O-G-U-E dot co dot UK. Thank you again for listening. Wherever you are in the world, I hope you have a great day and keep creating. Until next time, bye for now. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to subscribe and share. As a final parting word from me, I'd like to invite you all to an ongoing project called the Move Me Mailing List. The Move Me Mailing List includes links to all the interesting things I've uncovered that month, as well as resources I've discovered and insights that I believe will move you forward. So join the thousand plus early adopters who've joined the list already and see what all the fuss is about. Finally, wherever you are in the world, I hope you have a great week and see you next time for another episode. Bye for now. Today's episode was sponsored by Phoebe.com, helping people of all ages to unlock their creative potential. To find out more about Phoebe's events and what they can do for you, visit Phoebe.com. That's F-O-B-I.com. Phoebe, full of bright ideas.